Grace, peace, and mercy be upon you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ on this Christmas Sunday. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we celebrate your birth today. We thank you so much for all those who attended the Christmas Eve service last night. Many people we don't know, so we ask that our services were a blessing to them. Now bless us today as we continue to search through your word, learn more about you, and hear what you have to say to us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. What if Jesus had been raised by a single mom or dad? How different would Christmas had been celebrated these last 2,000 years if it only included one parent in the manger scene? Hard to know, really. We've all heard the claim from experts, children do best when they know and are raised by both a father and mother. But some of you may know firsthand that even when dad is present, it doesn't mean that everything will go well. Authors and screenwriters have often recognized the complex relationships that often exist between fathers and sons and have used those tensions to create some really powerful, dramatic stories. In May of 1980, when Darth Vader in The Empire Strikes Back revealed to Luke Skywalker that he is, in fact, his father, it was the most shocking father-son moment since well, probably 2,000 years beforehand in the Jordan River when Jesus was baptized and God himself announced, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. How many other movies or literature can you think of that revolve around the relationship between fathers and sons? I mean, I can think of a couple more. The Godfather, maybe. The story really about sons trying not to disappoint their fathers. Finding Nemo, a story about an overprotective father and a wayward son. The Tree of Life, a story that explores the generational effect of how fathers raise their sons. And The Lion King, another story about a son who feels like he just can't live up to his father's expectations. Based on our own storytelling, we humans know both how important fathers are and how difficult our relationships with them can be. In our Advent worship this year, you know, these uh, last four Sundays leading up to this day, we've explored three different father and son relationships found in the Old Testament, all of which ended in disappointment and sometimes tragedy. If you remember, Cain, the son of Adam, was not the promised Savior that Adam and Eve hoped it, he would be. Rather, he continued in his father's sin, becoming the first man among many who would strike out and kill his own brother. Ishmael, the son of Abraham, was not the promised son either. Abraham and Sarah thought that they had to take matters into their own hands to produce an heir for Abraham because they got tired of waiting on God. But they soon learned the foolishness of not fully trusting in God and trying to produce their own heir and do what only God promised to do. Absalom, the son of David, despite his father's great love for him, ended up disappointing his father as well, rebelling against him and his whole kingdom, losing his life in the process. 
All these stories, both biblical and modern, help point us to the most complicated father-son relationship of all time. It's the story of God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, and the children He created, the sons of men, which includes daughters as well, you and me and everyone else. This is our story. Though we desperately need the presence of our loving Heavenly Father in our lives for our well-being, we have foolishly and sinfully not listened to Him and followed His ways time and time again. I know I haven't. Like Cain, we have not lived up to the expectations given to us in the Ten Commandments and have become murderers through our sinful thoughts and words and actions. Like the story of Ishmael, we've tried to take matters into our own hands, thinking that our good works will earn God's love and favor, but our efforts are doomed to fail and drive us further away from God. Like Absalom, we've rebelled against our Heavenly Father and King, wanting to rule our own lives, and sometimes others' lives, but this will only lead to death and condemnation. Rather than trust in our Heavenly Father's guidance, which is always wise and good, we prefer to place our trust in other people or in ourselves to find salvation in this life. Rather than listen to the truth that our Heavenly Father speaks to us, we prefer to listen and place our confidence in the opinion of others. See, our story is a story of wayward and stubborn children who have a father who is even more stubbornly pursuing us out of his great love for us. It's a story perfectly captured by Jesus in his parable of the prodigal son. Now, I didn't read that story today. It wasn't in the reading, but I imagine most of you are familiar with it. If you're not, you can look that up too. <laughs> but the younger son of a wealthy and generous father demanded his share of the inheritance. He may have well said to his father, I wish you were dead already so that I can have all your stuff. With his words, he murdered like Cain. With his actions, he rebelled like Absalom. Yet even more shockingly, the father gives his son what he wants. He allows him to walk away and out of his life. Yet the father never stops looking for his son and hoping and praying that he will one day return. Though he had every reason to be very angry at his son, he simply wanted another opportunity to show him how much he loved him. And finally, when the son had wasted all his father's money and found himself at the end of his rope, his father got the chance to demonstrate just how great his love was for his son. The prodigal son knew that he did not deserve his father's love or even a spot in the family again. He merely wanted to return as a servant because he was starving. Perhaps he could work his way back in. With his focus on his own works, he became in a way, like Ishmael. But his father would have none of it. Before he can even speak, the son is embraced tightly, clothed in the finest robe and sandals, and given the family ring, a symbol of his status as a son of the father, the heir. A celebration is planned, the best calf the father owns is slaughtered, and the son, who was 
once lost has been found. The son who was once dead is alive again. The story begs the question, how could the father love the son like this? How could he just receive him back as if he had done nothing wrong? And would God do the same for us? These are questions that are answered by the story of Christmas. Christmas tells the story of the only perfect father-son relationship that has ever existed. This relationship has existed since before time began. It will continue to exist throughout eternity. It's a relationship that is proclaimed in many of the Christmas songs we sing. For example, of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the source, the ending, He. Now the ones that we sang last night. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light. And there's another one, Son of the Father, now in flesh appearing. That's from O Come All Ye Faithful. And the other one, now through his Son doth shine the Father's grace divine. That's from now sing, we now rejoice. We'll sing that hymn during the next couple of Sundays during the Christmas season. It's a story that's told in the first chapter of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, or that is, in His, no one has seen Him in His full glory, the only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. God the Father knows how much we need Him, despite our attitude toward Him. We need to know our Father in heaven. It's the only way to find true joy, peace, hope, and life. And in order to make us children of God, God sent His only begotten Son into the world, the Son of Man and Son of God, to be the perfect child that we could never be and never will. When the fullness of time had come, Paul explains, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that's you and me, and everyone else, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And that includes daughters as well. Now, you've been hearing me say for the past four weeks, Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the son of Abraham. Jesus is the son of Manasseh. Jesus is the son of Joseph. And I hope that hasn't been confusing for you. You attended the service last night. We meditated on Jesus' ancestry, his family line. So we know Jesus just, just didn't drop out of heaven into the laps of some random anonymous couple. Joseph is related to all those going back to Abraham. And someone asked me yesterday about Mary's ancestry. What about hers? What do we know about her family line? Well, not much, really. But there is I mean, a minority tr tradition in Christianity that has Mary being a distant cousin of Joseph. And therefore, her ancestry is the same as his. Now, that's not impossible 
because marriages between cousins was prevalent in the ancient world. And it was the, ironically, it was the Christian church that put a stop to it by the time of Martin Luther. But that's another story for another time. Nevertheless, I'll add one more father to Jesus' lineage. Jesus is the true son of Adam, the first man. Jesus is the promised seed foretold in Genesis 3 and who committed no murder with his thoughts, words, and actions. Rather, Jesus was murdered that we might live. Jesus is the true son of Adam and the true son of Abraham, the one who would bless all nations by taking our salvation into his hands and giving to us his righteousness. Jesus is the true son of David as well, the king of kings, who remained perfectly obedient to his father, and yet, because, and, and yet became, Jesus became a curse for us by hanging from the cross. Psalm 146 says, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. But Jesus is both Son of Man and Son of God, the Prince of Peace. And when His breath departed, God's plan of salvation was complete. As the hymn goes, God and sinners reconciled. Because of the gift of His Son, God reveals to us in a shocking twist that He is, in fact, our Father, who loves us, forgives us, and gives us the right to become children of God. God adopts you and me and makes us part of his eternal family through our baptism into Jesus Christ. What God said to Jesus at his baptism, God now says to you through yours. This is my son. This is my daughter with whom I am well pleased. You and I are not fatherless children. If you had an absentee father in this life, your heavenly Father was with you the whole time. And though you and I don't deserve it, we have a right relationship with our Father who has given up His only begotten Son for you and who will always love you and care for you and shield you with His presence, just like a good father should do. All this for us our God has done, granting love through His own Son. Therefore rejoice, and continue to sing his praises with endless voice. Alleluia. Amen.